Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. I want to talk about being anchored, being rooted, being grounded and founded in Christ. And it's about being grounded in His Spirit and in His truth. And today I want to introduce this topic by reading from Hebrews chapter 6, starting from verse 12. It says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. I want to be one of those people who imitates those who've inherited God's promises through faith and patience. But then he goes on. You're going to see that it unfolds and there's so much for us to learn in this passage. He says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And you imagine that scene where God uses an oath. He doesn't just say the words, he uses an oath to promise and double promise something to Abraham that he would bless and multiply him. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Abraham obtained it. He's one of those who we can imitate. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Have you ever heard somebody saying, I swear by my mother, I swear by whatever it is. And he's saying people swear by something greater to confirm an oath. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. We're going to look at that in future weeks, but he says God double promised so that we can be sure of certain things. And then in verse 19, it says this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, an anchor for your soul, my friend. Your soul is that part of you that thinks, that feels, that decides, and that can be buffeted, let's be honest, by emotions, by other people's opinions and reactions, by the world's circumstances, by your own guilt. Uh, we, We deceive ourselves sometimes. We can be buffeted, but it says we have something that can be an anchor for our soul, sure and steadfast. Sure and steadfast. Again, a double word there. Not just sure, not just steadfast. You can be anchored. Your soul can be anchored so that even though you're in the midst of storms, there is something that is immovable and strong and the power of God is flowing into you through it. (laughs) Boy, this is going to be a good sermon. He then goes on to say, it enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, these are difficult and complicated words, but we're going to see that they actually are beautiful and meaningful and helpful to us. He says that this anchor is a hope. 
It's, it's a hope of something. You know, a hope is, is where you don't yet have it, but you can imagine it and you expect it. And, and it's real in your imagination and in your heart. And so you hope. And he says, we have a hope of God's goodness, of heaven, of the spirit realm, which we can't actually see. And the anchor goes into the presence behind the veil. That's speaking of the temple. You know, in the Old Testament, right at the start, God told Moses to build, first of all, a tabernacle for his presence, which was a portable tent. It was made of animal skins and gold and various furnishings. It was quite ornate and complicated and beautiful, but it moved. Whenever the cloud of God's presence moved in the wilderness, they would pack up the tabernacle, move it to the next spot and plant it again. And the tabernacle had three parts. There was the outer courts where everybody could go and where daily sacrifices were made. Then there was the holy place, the a next level in, which was all dark. It was covered by a tent and only the priests could go in there. Uh, there was an altar for burning incense. There was a table with bread, 12 pieces of bread. And there was a lamp stand with seven lamps burning continually with oil in them. And then there was a big veil, a big curtain. And the, the inner sanctum was called the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it had the Ten Commandments in it. It had a jar with some of the manna, you know, the bread that God fed the Israelites with. It had some of that. And it had Aaron's staff, which had budded and blossomed. And those are sermons in themselves. But the main thing for us to remember is that God dwelt on the mercy seat. At the top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And there were two cherubim, which are like angelic beings facing each other on the top of the Ark. And God said to Moses, I will meet you there between the cherubim. In Exodus 25, it says, God says, and there I will meet with you. God is speaking to Moses and he says, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. And the next chapter, verse, sorry, chapter 34 of Exodus, verse 34 says, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off. So Moses had a veil over his face and he went through a veil to the Holy of Holies, a big thick curtain. He would take the veil off until he came out and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. So this verse that we've just read in Hebrews says that the anchor is a hope. It's for our souls, for our minds and our emotions and our wills uh, to be anchored and rooted amongst the storms of life that are battering us. It goes behind the veil into the presence it goes behind a thick curtain into the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is, where his Ark of the Covenant, his Ten Commandments, the blossoming staff of Aaron, the jar of manna, 
the, the power, the presence of God that was above the mercy seat where Moses would go in and his face would shine. This anchor we have goes into the presence behind the veil. And I want to show you just two main things today. It's spiritual and it's truth. Truth means that we get access into this anchor by finding out what is really true. And the verses that we read in Hebrews 6 say that it's all about God's promises, His counsel, His making an oath, um, the fact that He can't lie. This is truth. And, and part of the anchor is anchored in truth. God's word is truth. And we have access to know what is really true. We can illuminate our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions by the truth of God's word. But the second important aspect is that it is spiritual. It is not physical. Let me just give you an illustration here. Imagine you're on a boat and you're sitting on the sea and it's all calm and it's all beautiful and you're looking out. Maybe you're fishing. You're enjoying the view. What a beautiful, peaceful environment to be in. And then suddenly in the night, the winds start to come up and you start thinking there's a storm coming and the winds start blowing and blowing and you realize that you're being blown away from where you wanted to be because you have no control. The wind and the waves are starting to move you and then a storm comes and you're worried that maybe you're going to crash or sink and you don't know where the storm is going to take you and you put down an anchor and an anchor is something that is solid, that is heavy that is just sturdy and it goes down deep to the bedrock underneath behind the, the surface of the water, behind the veil. You look at the water and it reflects the light and so it's, it's opaque to you. You can't see what's below there, below the surface, but there is something below there. There is a whole different realm below the surface of the water. It reflects to you, you look at it and it reflects, but underneath, you know, there is something there. And even though it's stormy and windy above, it's calm underneath. And if you go deep enough, and if the anchor bites into the bedrock of the sea, you know that you will be held firm and safe. And it doesn't matter what storms come, you will not be blown off course or away from where you're supposed to be. That is the anchor for our souls that this is talking about, that this gives us the spirit realm and truth. And the spirit realm is that underwater place, which is different. You need different apparatus to breathe. You need a, a, a whole suit to be able to live under there because this physical body can't live underwater. It's the same with the spirit. 1 Corinthians 15 says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We, we need a, a whole different way of thinking, of seeing, of of understanding to know what's in that other realm and it's behind a veil we can't see it clearly but we know it's there by the truth of God's word and as we put that anchor through the surface behind the veil biting deep into the bedrock of God's truth and who God is and what God has done for us in that holy place then everything changes I want to tell you a story about a lady in John chapter 4 Jesus went to Samaria. He didn't really have to go there to get to the place where he was going. He didn't have to go to this place in Sychar, but 
uh, it says that he did need to go there because the Holy Spirit was leading him there. And in verse 5, it says, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's about midday. Now, people would go to the well, especially the ladies from the nearby town would go to the well early in the morning or late in the evening. But at midday, nobody went to the well. And so Jesus goes to the well at midday and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me? A Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, this lady was so conditioned to looking above the surface of the water. You see, above the surface, everything is physical. Everything can be measured, touched, tasted, smelt, felt, seen. We can understand the physical world, but there's another realm, a spiritual realm. Jesus is talking to her of spiritual thirst, of spiritual matters that are so important and she says you're a Jew she's looking at the physical his his physical race his physical features she says how how come you're talking to me Jews and Samaritans don't talk to each other Jesus answered and said to her if you knew the gift of God if you could see below the surface of the water and who it is who says to you give me a drink if you knew I was the bedrock that your anchor needed to be buried in you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's hinting to her. There is a whole other realm below the surface. There is more than just this physical world has to offer. Verse 11, the woman said to him, you see, she's still dealing in physical, practical things. And it's understandable. Her whole world, her whole life history up until that point has been about the physical, natural world, people, things. Um, the way the world around us treats us and how we interact with it. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. <laughs> if we are looking anchored in the spiritual realm, things that people see in the physical realm don't apply to us. She said, you have nothing to draw with. She was looking at physical things. And sometimes a person who is anchored in the spirit can do things that are not physically possible. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. There are two types of water. There are two realms. There's the above the surface and below the surface. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Everlasting. You see, the other aspect of this underwater spiritual realm, the presence behind the veil, is not just that it's invisible, but that it's everlasting. It's eternal. Whereas this world will pass away. Everything is decaying and passing away here, but that is eternal. And it satisfies. <laughs> you have a need in you, my friend, and so do I, for the spiritual living water. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, 
and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Suddenly she realizes this man can see behind the veil. There is another realm that he is piercing through into, and it's breaking out in prophecy. And what he says to her is he says this. He says, you have been trying. You've realized your life is in a storm. She's had five husbands and now she's on her sixth relationship and she hasn't married this man. That's the reason she comes to the well at midday when all the other women come early in the morning or late at night. She's an outcast. The, the storms of this world have buffeted her so badly and she has thrown out anchors but they have been flotation devices. What do I mean by that? Instead of going deep, piercing through the veil, beneath the surface, into the bedrock of God's truth and his spiritual realm, she's looked for earthly, physical things, and in particular people, to be her anchor. She's looked for relationships with husbands or boyfriends, and it hasn't worked and Jesus realizes this, and so he challenges her, and he says, you need a better anchor. The woman said, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. She still thinks of worship as a physical activity. The Jews had a temple in Jerusalem with the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant, and all those things that I've mentioned. And the veil, the big curtain that protected the way into the Holy of Holies that only one man once a year could go into. And at peril of his life, he thought he may be struck down by the power of God's presence. And the Samaritans worshipped on a mountain, but it's all physical things. It's places, it's rituals, it's practices, it's going through physical motions and physical activities to try and get close to God. And she was saying, which... Physical activity is the way that I should worship God. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. He says, It's not about physical things. You worship what you do not know. We, what we, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And what Jesus was saying to this lady was, it's not about physical places, rituals, denominations, uh, practices, traditions, whatever. Whatever man-made thing there is, it's not about that. It's about spirit which means something that you can't see, you can't tangibly touch or measure, but it's eternal and it's there, it exists, and you have a need for it, for this living water. It's about spirit and it's about truth, God's word, which is different to human opinions, human traditions, human religious rituals. God's word is the truth, and this truly is God's word, God's scripture. And when you get spirit and truth and you start worshiping him by putting the anchor through, behind the veil, into the presence of God, behind what you can see, into that spiritual realm where your heart and your spirit meet with God, then spirit and truth, then the anchor bites. And the 
thing that Jesus said is the time is coming and now is. He was talking about himself because he, when he died, broke open the veil. Matthew chapter 27, 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Let me just read you from Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 what Jesus achieved when he died on the cross as far as the, the temple is concerned. I'm going to read a lot of verses. Follow with me. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in detail. But into that second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of, ho of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And then in the next chapter, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Friends, Jesus, when he died, physically he died on the cross, but spiritually he ripped the veil open. He is the forerunner who went into the presence of God. He put his own blood on the mercy seat and he said, Lord, I've paid the price once for all. And anyone who sees by faith, who sees beneath the surface of the water, who realizes there's another realm, a spiritual eternal realm, and realizes that I have paid the price for their sins. Anyone who does that can enter into this holy place, the spiritual realm, and the, the anchor of faith and hope gets buried deep in the rock of what Jesus has already achieved for us. Friends, I started by saying, how are we going to be anchored? How are we going to be grounded? How are we going to be firmly founded and rooted? And I want to say that it comes from truth, but also from the Spirit, not relying on physical acts that we could do to please God, not relying on traditions or religious rituals, but relying on what Jesus has done in the spiritual realm. 
In the spiritual realm, there is a temple in heaven. Jesus has gone and he's opened the way forever. And it, the access is open for us to, to walk in there with boldness, having our consciences cleansed, realizing it's his blood that has forgiven me, not my good works. And as I go in there daily, daily, my friend, as I read God's word daily and as I enter into his presence daily and I say, Lord, thank you for what Jesus did. That is an anchor that will keep your soul firm and secure, sure and steadfast through the storms of life. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. You remember we spoke about Moses going into God's presence and his face shining. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Friend, I encourage you to take time every day to look into the spiritual realm, to worship in spirit and truth, not thinking about what can I do, but realizing what Jesus has done for you. Realizing that his truth in his word shows you that your sins are forgiven, that you are secure, that it's not your goodness, it's what Jesus already achieved. And this is the beginning of the anchor, the firm foundation that will calm the storms of your emotions, calm the storms of your guilty conscience, because you can't be good enough. But Jesus has paid the price. Lord God, thank you for providing an anchor for my soul. Lord, I believe, Jesus, in what you've done for me, that your death paid the price completely for my sins. I ask you to wash me and apply that forgiveness to my life. And Lord, I enter boldly into your presence. I gaze upon your glory and your beauty. And I thank you that I am anchored and held firm. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.